one moment, one moment in his presence can wipe out years of junk. It just can. And when you're, when you're ready for it, you're like an outlet back there. And you're just waiting for something to come into contact. And that's called faith. And, and God, his power, well, the scripture says, it's not what we're teaching today, but I guess it is. Um, it says that his eyes, Brother Jim, his eyes are going out over all the earth looking for what? They're, his eyes are looking for who he can show himself strong to. And so your faith is like a lightning rod. And his power has already been released. We're not asking God to do anything new. Everything that we need has been completed in Jesus Christ. The peace you need is already provided. The healing you need, it's already provided. Your salvation is already provided. I mean... Your wisdom, it's already there. He's already released it. But now that power is in the atmosphere and it's looking for the attractant of faith, which is you saying, right here I am. (laughs) I believe, right here I am. Isn't that what a lightning rod does? It attracts it. And that's what your faith is. So whatever it is you came for this morning, if you didn't get it already... You can get it at home. I'm telling you, just tell God, right here I am. If your power's looking for a place to land, hello. Because he's more than willing. His promises are yes and he said yes or he wouldn't have said them. What kind of father would he be if he made you a promise and then told you no? When he promised it, He fulfilled it in Christ. In fact, to me, they're not even promises anymore. They're facts. Healing's not even a promise anymore, sis. It's fact. Why? Because the stripes have already been laid on Jesus' back. It's already been provided. He promised it. Jesus fulfilled it. I receive it. Faith is how we receive it. So, man, he's good. Thank you, worship team. That was powerful it brought on the move of the holy spirit and i believe things were needs were met and that's what he's all about last week as we taught on jesus our redeemer which i loved uh, we briefly mentioned types and shadows we talked about types and shadows things in the old testament that pictured jesus symbolically and this raised a lot of interest And so I started hearing, you know, talk about people wanting to know more about what on earth I was talking about. So I'm going to start something today, and I'm not going to finish it. I'm going to seed it in you, and then I, unless the Holy Spirit changes things, we're going to pick it up on Wednesday nights and do it in in in-depth Bible study on Wednesday nights at 7 over in the other building, unless... God tells me I'm supposed to teach it out here right now. That's Susan's plan. We'll see if our plans agree. Um, So we're just going to dip our toes in this morning and lay some foundation. But this is why types and shadows are so powerful. They're not just interesting, although they are amazing. 
But to me, when we see things in the Old Testament that picture Jesus or picture what he provided for you in, in our covenant with God through Jesus Christ, to me, it shows the magnificence, the brilliance, and I know that's all understated, but the magnificence and the brilliance of God. I'm telling you, Brett, when you go to, you know, you studied it. When you go to studying this and you go back and you, you see Jesus in the New Testament and then you start reading backwards into the Old Testament, which a lot of people think is now irrelevant. Oh, it's relevant because it's all about Jesus. Even though it doesn't say it, it pictures it, it paints it, it shows it. And there is no way that man was smart enough to put this thing together. No way. And I, I know some great writers. You probably know some great writers. There is no way. And when you go to study in Tops and Shadows, you will be amazed. It will, it will put you on your knees before a mighty God because you just can't, you can't put into words what you think about him when you go back and study this. Another thing it does is, and this is what I titled it, His Word is Sure. His Word is Sure. You know, when we were studying in Genesis last week, in the garden in Genesis 3, and it was talking about, you know, the whole serpent, fruit, Adam, Eve thing. And, and God was speaking to the man and to the woman, and he looked at the serpent, and he said, basically, Susan's version, there's one coming. You're going to bruise his heel. He's going to break your head. He's going to bruise your head. You know what that means? He's going to break your power. You picked up power here today, but there's one coming, and he's going to break your power. And from that moment, from that moment, God starts painting a picture with the words of the prophets with his words to start with, then the words of the prophets, and then he takes portions of people's lives where their whole life, Rick, doesn't show Jesus, like David, for instance. David was a type of Jesus. He, portions of David's life show Jesus. Because we all heard the story growing up, David and Goliath, the boy and the giant, that's a great story. Every kid loves it. I mean, there's just something exciting about a young person killing a giant. But then after you get to know Jesus in the New Testament, you look back and you go, oh, that wasn't just about a boy and a giant. That was about Jesus defeating the enemy for me. And we sing the song. You came back with the head of my enemy and called it my victory. You know the song we sing? That's what it's talking about. David cut off the head of the enemy, broke his power, and brought it back. And it didn't just set David free and set David up. What did it do? The whole Israeli army, the whole nation. Then their job was to go after the enemy and enforce the victory that David had won that day. Oh, wait, that's Jesus. But at the same time, there was this Bathsheba thing 
where David saw the woman bathing on the roof and had an affair with her and had her husband killed. That part was not about Jesus. So here's what you got to learn about types and shadows. You can only, because God was having to use sinful man to paint the picture, you can only use the portions that match what's in the New Testament about Jesus as type and shadow of Jesus. And the other part you have to go, oops, that was humanity. Okay? So this is, this is fascinating. His word is sure. When God said, there is one coming who will break your power, he meant there's one coming, and immediately he started painting that picture. Oh, there's so much here. You remember what it said, in the fullness of time? <laughs> in the fullness of time, God had the angel approach Mary and tell her that she was going to carry the Son of God. In the fullness of time. When, 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 he, when Jesus had been perfectly spoken about, perfectly pictured, when everything that he would do and accomplish for us and provide for us had been pictured or spoken, that's when Jesus could come. It all had to be pre-said or pre-shown. But what I want you to get out of types and shadows, one of the things other than the magnificence and brilliance of, of God, and this Bible that you hold in your hand that you need to pick up more often with excitement. Is that when God said there's one coming, there was one coming. And when God had the prophet Isaiah, which we read last week, last week in Isaiah 53, say that there would be stripes on his back. That he would be despised of men, that he would be a man of sorrow. When he described Jesus Hundreds, if not thousands of years before Jesus was ever conceived on the earth. That came true with every I dotted and every T crossed. That's how sure his word is. Why is that important? Because when we lay hands on you and we say by Jesus stripes you are healed, that word is just as sure in the mind of God as there's one coming. Now it's got to get just as sure in your heart as it is in God's heart. And when those two match, I don't care what your body says. His word is sure. And when we go back and we look at these and we look how beautifully God pictured it and it was just as he pictured it, I want you to realize his word is sure. Is sure. You can depend on it. The other thing I realize is that his mind was on you from the beginning. He sees you. You ever had those moments where you knew God saw you? Well, when you go back and you study type and shadow and you see what he provided, you'll realize this, he did it for you. He did it for you. You were always on his mind. From the moment in the garden, we talked about it briefly last week, when man had, had failed, man had sinned, and immediately God killed an innocent animal and covered them. He shed blood and covered their sin. Immediately. 
and, and you think you, you've done something so wrong or you've, there's some reason that he can't forgive you. When that was his immediate response. Immediately, of course, that blood represented the blood of Jesus Christ. Another reason we study types and chattels is because you're going to learn to love to read his word. If reading his word is boring to you, just wait. Just wait. When you start looking for Jesus in those Old Testament stories, it gets fun. If, it, if it's irrelevant to you, why would he have it written for you? He's not looking to be on the top list of books. It's, it's relevant to us. The next thing that you'll get from types and shadows is that you'll see the realities of Jesus from Genesis to Revelation. All the way through. Because God's word has layers. It's written in layers. You'll read a story about, I'll just use David and Goliath for the example. You'll read a story about uh, a boy overcoming a giant. You'll get some great lessons out of it. You'll get some life lessons out of it. And that's great. That's a top layer. Great story, fun to read. We like it when the underdog wins. Okay? That's great. That's not wrong. That's great. But under that, there's another layer. This is what Jesus did for you. Under that, there's another layer. This is what you can walk in as a believer. So God's word is written in layers. And until it gets down to the layer where it's about affecting your life and how you're living, then it's just going to be reading something. But when it's life-changing... It's interesting. So when you're reading these stories, the event or the record of the person's life really did happen, unless Jesus is telling a parable and then he makes it plain. But in the Old Testament, those stories are real. I think Bob used to say accounts rather than stories because we tend to think stories can be made up. This, the account of these people's lives is real. David, real. Goliath, real. They are real, but God would use a portion of them to bring a truth to us and to paint a picture of the one to come. Go with me to Psalm 40. I promise we will at least get into one, I think, let me take back that promise. Hopefully we will get into at least one type and shadow, but it really felt like we need to lay some foundation here. I don't remember who said this statement first. Uh, I have copied it through my note. It's always more powerful than the type. When God's doing types and shadows in the scripture, the reality is always more powerful than the type. For instance, the lamb that was slain in the Passover was powerful. But it was not as powerful as Jesus, the Lamb of God, the reality, what it was representing is. The Lamb covered their sin. Jesus took their sin. Oh, let me rephrase that. Our sin. He took it. The Lamb covered it. The Passover Lamb covered it. The sacrifices covered the sin in the Old Testament. Jesus 
took on our sin in the New Testament. So the type was not as powerful as the reality. And so whatever you find in the Old Testament, in fact, the scripture is very plain, then you have a better covenant. The New Testament, the new covenant is better than the old covenant. We got the best end of the deal. Don't think about the good old days back when there was manna falling from heaven. They also had chariots chasing after them. Okay, so we look back sometimes and we see the miraculous. They would go hundreds of years without seeing miraculous things sometimes. Oh, burning bush. I just want a burning bush. You have the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you, talking to you every single day. And we want a burning bush. I've said it too. I, I would love to have a burning bush. You do have a fire on the inside of you. It was a type of the New Testament believer having the Holy Spirit to instruct them. Boy, I'm kind of getting into types I didn't have in my list. Oh, well. Um, when Moses saw that burning bush and the bush was aflame, yet it was not consumed... That's you with the Holy Spirit of God on the inside of you directing you, yet you are not consumed. The reality is better than the top. Don't get hung up on the tops. The reality is better and more powerful than the top. All right. So you're going to take them. You're going to let them point you to Jesus. Psalm 40 verse 7 says this. And then I'm going to go to Hebrews 10. Then said I, lo, I come... In the volume of the book, it is written of me. Hebrews 10, which is a whole thing on, talks a lot about sacrifice and offering. He says, verse 5, says, Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, Jesus, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared for me. How did God prepare Jesus a body? He formed it with his words. He was formed and placed in the womb of Mary. But a body thou hast prepared me, in burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast no pleasure. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will, O God. In the volume of the book, it is written of Jesus. Genesis to Revelation, in the volume of the book, it is all about Jesus. There's an interesting passage in Luke 24. Um, it's, this is... So fascinating to me. It's after the resurrection of Jesus. Remember, he came and walked on the earth for a while. And apparently his appearance was somewhat different because he comes up on some of the disciples who are walking to another town. And Jesus just kind of walks along with them and starts having listening to their conversation and gets in on the conversation with them, which, I don't know, I, I think it's hilarious. Um, they didn't recognize him. And this is Luke 24. In verse 25, he finally, because they're talking about the resurrection and what all had happened, and he's listening to it, you know, as the resurrected Jesus. And he said to them, How foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. You know what he's saying? Boys, y'all memorized the scrolls. 
you should have known exactly what was going to take place because I just fulfilled it. How slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses, listen to this, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. That's what we're doing. We're going back and we're looking. Just like Jesus said, listen boys, you remember when you read that about the burning bush? Remember when you read Isaiah's words? That was me. <laughs> but they, they, they couldn't see it. They, they didn't get it. But verse 31 says, and their eyes were opened and they knew him. That's my hope through this study of types and shadows, is that your eyes are opened and that you know Jesus through what we study. That you might see something about him that you've never seen before. Go with me to Matthew 12. I know I'm giving you a lot of, a lot of scripture today. find it it's just and I hadn't given you all of those verses that contain pertain to this stuff I'll give more to you Wednesday night if that's when we continue it but it's fascinating Matthew 12 verse 38 says then a certain then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees which was you know the religious bunch answered saying master we would see a sign from thee show us something you know We'll believe if you show us something, basically, is what they're saying. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. They just want a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. I'm going to say Jonah because it helps my head because that's what the word we use. Except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three, ni three nights in the heart of the earth. Oh, so Jonah wasn't just a cool story about a big fish eating a guy and throwing him up? Because all the boys in the class love the throwing up part. That, you mean it? No, Jesus is showing us something here. Just as, whenever you see Jesus say just as, pay really close attention and don't just read what's there. Go back and read the account of what he's referring to and you will be amazed at what all the Holy Spirit will show you when you take the time to look. And so he says, just for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh, so then you've got to go back and look at the story of Nineveh, which we don't have time to do today. But he says, Then shall the men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonah. See, when Jonah went to Nineveh, they repented. But this generation of religious bunch right here didn't listen to Jesus. 
And they didn't repent. He says, they repented at the preaching of Jonah and behold, a greater, because the reality is always greater than the type, a greater than Jonah is here. Go to Jonah. Go to Jonah in your Bible. Okay, find Matthew and take a left. Okay, go a couple of books to the left of Matthew. Those little minor prophets in there are sometimes just one or two pages. So go to Matthew, hang a left. And don't feel bad for having to look something up in the front of your Bible index. There's an index in the front. If you don't have a little Bible with cheat tabs, hey, I still use them. You start looking at Obadiah and Jonah and Micah and Amos and some, it's okay. Find it. That's the important thing, right? We're going to attempt to cover some of the top and shadows in Jonah. And I may miss some. If I miss some, we'll cover on Wednesday night. But I want you to get the gist of how you go through an account and find tops and shadow. Oh, let's see. God tells Jonah he wants him to go to Nineveh, okay? Uh, verse 2, he says, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, which is basically what prophets did. They spoke, they spoke the truth to them. For their wickedness is come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarnish, Tarshish, sorry, from the presence of the Lord. He was going to have to he, he was going to have to go there, say things he didn't want to say to these people, these crazy people. You understand? And so he ran. He ran from the presence of God and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship that was going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof. And I just have written out to the side of my notes that he paid a price to leave the presence. He paid a price to leave the presence of God. And Jesus paid a price. He had to leave the presence of God and come to earth. He went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I think it's fine. I just think it's interesting he had to go down. I mean, there's just so many words here that are important. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was likened to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid. The other guys on the ship, they were afraid, and they cried every man unto his God and cast forth the wares, the things that were on the boat, that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. Does that sound vaguely familiar to any Christians in here about somebody in a ship and there being a storm and somebody going to sleep in the boat? Right? Mark 4, Jesus, the disciples, they're all in the boat. The storm arises, beating the boat. They're like, Jesus, don't you care? We're, we're going to die. Almost the same wording here. Jesus is asleep. That's Mark 4, 38. Even the rest of this goes with it. 
Mark 4.38. So the shipmaster came to him and said to him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. And they said, every one to his fellow, Come, let us cast lots. Oh, wait. Cast lots. Let's see. Is there something in the story of Jesus about casting lots? Well, yes. Mark 15, verse 24. When Jesus is being crucified, the soldiers cast lots for his clothing. He says, let us cast lots, that, and also in who's going to be crucified. They didn't cast lots, but there was a decision that was made there between people, and Jesus, you know, got it. Let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country? What people are you from? Does this sound anything like Pilate interrogating Jesus in Mark 15? It does. And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew. This is Jonah. I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Then said they unto him, What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm for us? Remember last week when we read Isaiah 53 and we talked about the chastisement of our peace was laid upon Jesus. The punishment necessary for the storm to stop inside of me and the distance between me and God was laid on Jesus. They're asking, what can be done in order for it to be calm for us for the sea wrought and was temptuous? And he said unto them, take me up. I think I remember something about if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Jonah said, take me up. Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm for you. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. That's why he had to take our sin natures because that's what caused the trouble. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was temptuous against them. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord and said, We beseech you, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not upon us innocent blood. For thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. There again, we can go back. That it pleased God. Remember, I think it was last week we read that. It pleased God to bruise him. So that we could all live in this peace and have this peace with God. Another thing that's in that that passage is where it says, Lay not upon us innocent blood. When Pilate was having to make the decision, he said, I don't want this innocent blood. Remember him washing his hands? I don't want this innocent blood on me. That's found in Matthew 20. Well, let me just turn over. 
Hold your finger there. Matthew 27. This is why reading your Bible is so important. Because then when you hear words, you go, oh, that's somewhere. (laughs) And then you go dig and see where that somewhere is. So, Matthew 27. Getting the right book here. Verse 24 and 25. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing but that rather a tumult was made. He took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then the people then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then they re- released Barabbas and they crucified Jesus. So they took up Jonah. I just can't get over those words. John 12, 32 is where it says, If I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. They took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. When we go into the Christmas season, man... Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I mean, the the war that was raging, Jesus calmed it. Verse 16 says, Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord. they're, They're actually offering a sacrifice unto the Lord, but I also see that in their offering up Jonah, was a type of a sacrifice being made to the Lord. And Jesus was a sacrifice being made to the Lord. Offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Anytime you see three days and three nights, circle it, highlight it, don't go anywhere else until you go back and study it because it is going to show you something about the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jesus was in the heart of the earth. Right. Chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly. Now you can go whole. Oh, man. You can go over into the book of Psalm. You can read the psalmist's words describing the crucifixion and Jesus' time in the heart of the earth before it ever happened. And, and you can read exactly, I think we referred to it uh, last week. You can go and read it, Jesus crying out to God from the heart of the earth. And this, in Jonah it says, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me out of the belly of Hell, cried I, and thou heardest my voice. Wait a minute. Was Jonah in hell? No, Jonah wasn't in hell. He was in the belly of a fish that God had prepared to save him from the ocean, to hold him for three days and three nights. 
this is prophetic words coming out of this story that Jesus would go into the heart of the earth, into hell to pay your penalty for your sin for three days and three nights. So just prophetically, Jonah is using these words, Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about, all thy billows and thy waves passed over me. This is describing Jesus in the heart of the earth, the torture that he went through. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus said. Jonah is saying, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. That sounds like a resurrection. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. See, Jesus didn't just pay for you physically. He paid for you spirit, soul, and body. He was tortured in all three areas. The waters compassed me about, even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. Okay, now wait a minute. This sounds vaguely familiar. Anybody remember anything about weeds on, on Jesus' head? Crown of thorns. Why would Jonah write about seaweed being wrapped around his head? Because God told him to. God had it pinned because it is an Old Testament picture of my Savior. With thorns on his head. Verse 6, I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Hell. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into your holy temple. And they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that I have vowed. And indeed he did. Salvation is of the Lord. Oh, I don't know if y'all love this near as much as I do. I could do the stomp. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry ground. On the third day, God said, it's paid for. It's paid for. And the Holy Spirit went into the heart of the earth and put resurrection power on the inside of Jesus. And hell could not hold him any longer. And he was catapulted out of there. Jonah. Story of a man getting swallowed by a fish. Or a great story about a man getting swallowed by a fish and an amazing story about an amazing Savior who was willing to be tossed into the sea, carry the verdict, carry the punishment, be tortured three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and come back to life to rule and reign as my king so that I can rule and reign in life. He's, he's amazing. 
He's amazing. God's word is amazing, church. Get it back out. You hear me? Get it back out. Read your Bible more than you watch CNN and see what happens. I mean, really. Y'all can stand. As we get deeper into these, probably on Wednesday nights, there is some really, really fun stuff. So if you haven't been on Wednesday nights, we come in at 7 o'clock. We have a snack for you. Coffee. We sit around tables over there. We come right in. We don't have praise and worship. We come right in. We hit the word. We open it up for comments, questions. We go over things at the end. We get to know each other on a, you know, this side knows the people on that side. And those people way up there in the balcony actually come down to our level and sit with us commoners that are on the floor. And it's a great, great study. So if you're looking for something deep, join us Wednesday night. Yes, there is a nursery. There's not classes for old, the older kids, but there is a nursery for infants. Bring your kids something to color. Bring them some snacks. Get them snacks out of the kitchen. If they make a little noise, they make a little noise. That's all I got to tell you. Jesus sat there with a bunch of kids in his audience. I think I can probably handle it too. All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for opening up your word to us. We thank you that the Holy Spirit is the teacher of the church. He's the teacher of the individual. And so, Father, we ask that as we open up your word, that you open up your word to us so that we can see things, so that we can understand things, so that we can come into a deeper revelation of just who our Savior is and the things that he accomplished for us. Life does not rule over us. We are more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. That's what we're going to know. We thank you for that revelation. We ask it in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen.